to the Indian Creek Baptist Church podcast. Thank you for joining us today. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. Our website is www.indiancreekbaptistchurch.org or our email address is info at indiancreekbaptistchurch.org. It is our sincere hope that through this podcast, God will speak to your heart and touch your life so that you may grow closer to him. Welcome back this evening. Picking back up in the book of John, I did not time this very well. We're about a month, month and a half early for where we are here in the book of John. John chapter 12 is where we're going to be. We've seen uh, recently Lazarus raised from the dead. We've seen the plots to kill uh, Jesus and Lazarus. And we have seen the Jews' Passover is drawing near. Today, uh, we are going to see Christ returning to Jerusalem for the last time. John chapter 12 and verse number 12. On the next day, much people that were come to the feast, sorry, yeah, on the next day, much people that were come to the feast when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem took branches of palm trees and went forth to meet him and cried, Hosanna, blessed is the king of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. And Jesus, when he had found a young ass, sat thereon as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, the king cometh sitting on an ass's colt. These things understood not his disciples at the first, but when Jesus was glorified, then remembered they that these things were written of him and that they had done these things unto him. The people therefore that was with him when he called Lazarus out of his grave and raised him from the dead, bear record. For this cause the people also met him, for that they heard that he had done this miracle. The Pharisees therefore said among themselves, Perceive ye how ye prevail nothing. Behold, the world is gone after him. And there were certain Greeks among them that came up to worship at the feast. The same came therefore to Philip, which was at, which was of Bethsaida of Galilee, and desired him, saying, Sir, <coughs> we would see Jesus. Philip cometh and telleth Andrew, and again Andrew and Philip tell Jesus. And Jesus answered them, saying, The hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Let's pray. Father God, we do love you. We thank you. For this moment. Not just this moment in the text, Lord, but this moment in time here in Maxwell, Iowa. Lord, I pray tonight that you would speak to our hearts, that you would reveal to us truth from this historic moment as Christ re enters Jerusalem for the last time in his triumphal entry. Lord, that you would speak to us, that you would encourage us, that you would help us to picture his second coming very soon. So God, please guide us and direct us today. We love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, not only are those Pharisees and chief priests seeking the life of Christ, but they are plotting to kill Lazarus as well. But all of this is part of God's plan. A plan that's been set forth from the beginning of time. Zechariah 9.9 gives us the 
prophecy of this exact moment in time. Zechariah, not Zephaniah. Oh, come on. Do, do, do. Come on. All right, I'm going to have to go to the table of contents to find the page. What page is it in your Bible? 792. 792, it's 1,201 in mine. Uh-oh. That was close. Zechariah 9.9. The Bible says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king, is, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon an ass, and upon a colt the foal of an ass. And I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim, and the horse from Jerusalem. And the battle bow shall be cut off, and he shall speak peace unto the heathen. And his dominion shall be from sea even to sea, and from the river even to the ends of the earth. Zechariah prophesied this moment as Christ makes his entry riding on the colt of an ass. And I find it interesting as the chief priests and the Pharisees look on these men who have spent their entire lives studying Scripture that they didn't recognize this prophecy. They didn't recognize Christ riding on this colt. Them shouting, Hosanna to the highest. How could they not realize? Well, because they were blinded. This is the account of what we commonly call Palm Sunday. It's coming up here, the end of March. And it is the triumphal entry of Christ returning to Jerusalem as the King of the Jews. People from all over the known world who were at this time, were making their pilgrimage to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. They had heard that Jesus was coming and gathered their palm branches and welcomed him to the city as king. But it was a short-lived rule. We've witnessed through the book of John how Christ was not attempting to draw attention to himself. As a matter of fact, he had just... Apparently the TV wants us to watch football. Josiah, quit playing around back there. I didn't do it. <laughs> now I'm lost. I'm always lost, but um, it's a short-lived rule. We have witnessed throughout the Book of John how Christ walked this earth, not really attempting to draw attention to Himself, just simply being Christ. He, he wasn't purposely going out and speaking in the biggest areas. He was, as a matter of fact, finding remote areas, but crowds continued to gather. Here now, though, he's making no more excuses. He's raised Lazarus from the dead, and it is time, as he put it. In verse number 23, the hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. 
He understands perfectly God's timetable. And he understands what is about to happen. And he's not hiding anymore. This entrance was for all to see and for all to understand. Matthew recounts this time in Matthew 21. Matthew 21 and verse number 1. It says, in the, When they drew nigh unto Jerusalem and were come to Bethpage, unto the Mount of Olives, then sent Jesus two disciples, saying unto them, Go into the village over against you, and straightway you shall find an ass tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them unto me. And if any man say aught unto you, you shall say, The Lord hath need of them, and straightway he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell ye the daughter of Sion, Behold, thy king cometh unto thee, meek and sinning upon an ass, and a colt, the foal of an ass. And the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them, and brought the ass and the colt, and put on them their clothes, and they set him thereon. And a very great multitude spread their garments in the way, others cut down branches from the trees and strawed them in the way. And the multitudes that went before and that followed, cried, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he was coming into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? And the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. Mark gives us a very similar account. Mark chapter 11. <clears throat> Mark chapter 11 and verse number 1. And when they came nigh to Jerusalem unto Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, he sendeth forth two of his disciples and saith unto them, Go your way into the village over against you, and as soon as you be entered into it, ye shall find a colt tied whereon never man sat. Loose him and bring him. And if any man say unto you, Why do ye this? Say ye that the Lord hath need of him, and straightway he will send him hither. And they went their way and found the colt tied by the door without in a place where two, where two ways met, and they loosed him. And certain of them that stood there said unto them, What do ye loosing the colt? And they said unto, him, unto them, Even as Jesus had commanded, and they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and cast their garments on him, and he sat upon him. And many spread their garments in the way, and others cut down branches of the trees and strawed them in a way. And they that went before and they that followed cried, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the kingdom of our father David that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And Jesus entered into Jerusalem and into the temple. And when he had looked round about upon all things, and now the eventide was come, he went out unto Bethany with the twelve. Or Luke. Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19 and verse number 30. <clears throat> verse number 28. And when he had thus spoken, he went before ascending up to Jerusalem. And it came to pass when he was come nigh to Bethpage and Bethany at the mount called the Mount of Olives. He sent two of his disciples saying, go ye into the village over against you in the which at your entering you shall find a colt tied whereon ne yet never man sat. Loose him and bring him hither. 
And if any man ask you, Why do you loose him? Thus shall ye say unto him, Because the Lord hath need of him. And they that were sent went their way, and found even as he had said unto them. And as they were loosing the colt, the owners thereof said unto them, Why loose ye the colt? And they said, The Lord hath need of him. And they brought him to Jesus, and they cast their garments upon the colt, and they set, excuse me, set thereon. And as he went, they spread their clothes in the way. And when he was come nigh, even now to the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed be the King that cometh in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said unto him, Master, rebuke thy disciples. And he answered and said unto them, I tell you that if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. All four Gospels recount this triumphal entry. They record Christ entering, the cry of, Behold your King. They recount the donkey that never a man sat on. A beast who had never been ridden, and one which would not be considered for royalty. Just as Christ entered the world in a stable surrounded by animals, he enters his last days on earth as king in a way that would not be fitting for any human king. But isn't that what God really wants us to understand about our salvation? In order to truly understand our salvation, we have to throw out all of our conventional wisdom and human knowledge and just believe what he says. The crowd's cries of Hosanna, blessed is the king of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. This truly was a conquering king. Like David before him who came to fight against Goliath in the name of the Lord, Jesus came to conquer certain death. Verse 16 tells us that the disciples understood none of these things. Now they'd been told repeatedly. They had seen all the signs leading up to this moment, but they still understood them not. The Bible tells us that it wasn't until Christ was risen and in his glorified state that they understood what was actually happening. Even though they didn't understand, they simply followed. What a lesson for us. We won't and can't possibly understand all that God is going to lead us through, but we can and must simply follow him, knowing that he knows the way. Not only did this entrance attract his normal followers, but it attracted many more who had heard of the miracle of raising of Lazarus from the dead. John tells us that among them were certain Greeks who came to worship at the feast. They apparently were proselytes of the Jewish faith coming to worship for the Passover. And they immediately went and sought Christ when they found out that he was coming. They sought to meet him. John Phillips in his commentary points out that after his birth, wise men came from the east to seek and worship him. 
And now here, just days before his death, Gentiles from the West come to worship him. They come to worship God at the feast and to seek and worship Christ. This shows us that there's no part of the earth that is removed from God's love. There is no man who can say that the gift of eternal life was not offered to him, Jew or Gentile, from all quarters of the globe, are all offered this free gift, and it's up to us to accept it. That reminds me of what I believe, and I, I think I said it this morning, what I believe the worst torment in hell is for all eternity. I truly believe that the thing that will torment everyone the worst, the most, besides the never-ending fire, besides the pain, the weeping, the gnashing of teeth, I think that all of that pales in comparison to the simple fact that every person there will know that they are to blame for their situation. They will know that they had a choice. They had an option. When you look at the sign or the, the, the graphic that I've made for this series, it's a sign, road sign, heaven pointing up and hell pointing down. We have two choices. And I believe those that suffer in hell know that they've made the wrong choice. Verse 23 gives us the announcement that the hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. It's time. Christ has walked this earth for 33 and a half years. He spent three and a half years in ministry training and teaching the disciples. Training and teaching the apostles, doing miracles, trying to convert those around him to understand who he truly is. And now it's time to show them for certain, beyond the shadow of a doubt. And it's time for them to make a choice. All of Christ's life has come down to this moment in time. All of known history has come to this. He continues on in verses 24 through 28. The Bible says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. He that loveth his life shall lose it, and he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto eternal life, or sorry, unto life eternal. If any man serve me, let him follow me, and where I am there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this cause came I unto this hour. Father, glorify thy name. Then came there a voice from heaven, saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Christ continues to teach, and he points out that the corn of wheat is only good if it is buried in the ground and dies, and then it brings forth much fruit. Not only is Christ speaking of something that all of these people would understand, he's pointing all the way back to Genesis chapter 1. Back in Genesis chapter 1, and as God is creating the world, 
creating all that in there is, when he creates the plants, he reminds us that they all bear seed after their, their kind. They all grow in this way. I was, I was eating an apple yesterday. And I was reminded as I got down to the core that there's not just one seed in that core. There's many. But I was also reminded that the whole purpose of the fruit that we enjoy around that apple core, around those seeds, is so that when the apple falls to the ground and begins to decay and the seeds inside begin to grow, that's nutrients for the, the new sapling. Caiaphas not that long ago, prophesied that one must die for all. That Christ was going to die, not just for the nation of Israel, but for the whole world. You see, Christ knew that he had to die. In verse number 27, he says, Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? But for this cause came I unto this hour. He's not seeking for God to make change his mind, for God to make another way. He's proving the point that he knows what is coming. Every other religion out there, the person they look up to, the person that they that is the father of their religion, the person that is the leader, the, the object of their religion, is dead and buried in the ground. It's only Christ that died and is risen again. He's the only seed that took. When we lived in Albion, we had three apple trees in our yard. And we lost so many apples every year. But we didn't go out and the next year have thousands of apple saplings. Only certain ones took. We never actually had any in our yard that took. But the ones that did, the seeds that took that originally grew those three trees, gave off thousands and thousands of apples in their lifetime you think around here of the corn in the fields one kernel of corn when planted in the ground produces a stock that has three to five years on it with hundreds of kernels on each year there's a tremendous yield it's another picture for us I have not, I'm not trying to tie all of these messages together. I'm not trying to tie our Sunday school series and our, our morning service series and, and this series in John together, but God keeps putting all of these things together that we must die to self and serve Him. Our ego must die. Before God can use us. Before God can use us completely. This afternoon we sat down with the Rulies and went through um, 
the uh, Discipleship 1 lesson on the will of God. We understand that the will of God for everyone is the same. He doesn't want any of us to perish. He wants us all to get saved and be conformed to the image of Christ. He wants us all to be able to begin to serve Him. It's the plan of God that's different for everybody. The physical act of fulfilling His will is what's different for everybody. But the thing they point out in the lesson is that we don't know that plan from the very beginning. God reveals it to us as we move along. It's like as you go home tonight, you're going to drive home and you've got a pretty good idea of your route. You got you guys have driven that route enough. You know about where the curves are. You know where you can recognize this house and that house and know about where you are. Most of you, I would imagine, if you really wanted to, could drive there in the dark without your headlights. Mm-hmm. But, what? Or in the snow, yes. Or the fog. But there's a reason that we don't. We don't because there are things that just pop up that we don't know are going to be there. There's deer, there's raccoons, there's skunks. There's all kinds of things that just pop up. And because we feel safer with the lights on. If we were to go out into the woods and wander around in the woods in the middle of the night, most of us would be a little bit afraid if we didn't know where we were. But if you've got a lantern, you can at least see what's inside that lantern. What's inside that circle of light. The only way to know what's beyond it is to move forward. And let the light move with you. The only way for us to know exactly what God has for us. Is for us to take those steps of faith and follow him. The disciples didn't know what was coming. They'd been told. It had been prophesied. It had been foreshadowed. But they didn't understand. They just knew at this point. That Christ was entering Jerusalem as the king of the Jews. And they were willing to follow. They were willing to fight. The thing that we often forget about Israel throughout their entire history is they were not an organized army. Very few times as Israel fought battles were they actually an organized army. Almost always they were farmers. They didn't even have spears or swords. They had whatever they could get their hands on. Here, these disciples are ready to go and fight thinking that Christ entering is going to conquer the Roman Empire and they're willing to stand behind him and fight with whatever they have in their hands. We know that Peter had a sword because here before too long we're going to see him cut off somebody's ear. And Christ is going to pick it up and put it back on. But most of them weren't prepared for battle. We must serve in that way. Verse 26 says, If any man serve me, let him follow me. And him my father will honor. To serve Christ is to just follow him. 
to do what he says, to do what he asks. If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. If we're going to serve him and we do what he asks, we're going to follow him, then we will be where he is. And right now he is seated at the right hand of God. He is in heaven. Remember those who claim to serve the Lord but are truly serving self. We were introduced to Judas last week. We're going to see him again. We need to truly serve the Lord without any thought of ourselves. We're a little early for Easter and all of those things, for Resurrection Sunday and all of those things, but it's still just as important today. Christ has already won the battle. There's a lot more that he's going to go through in the next couple of days, but he's already won the battle. So let's just follow him. Let's pray.